Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 99 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Matthew chapter 3 today, and our focus is on how salvation works, that salvation is not genetic. Well, hopefully that'll make a little bit more sense in a moment. So this is a daily 10-ish minute podcast where we dig into God's Word one chapter at a time and discuss it. Five days a week we're in the New Testament, two days a week we're in the Old Testament. Thank you for listening. Please consider sharing the show with a friend on social media or text or email And check out our website, Bible2021.com, for contact page, show notes, and a transcript and all that kind of good stuff. In Matthew 3, our chapter for the day, we are introduced to the fiery ministry of John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. John evokes images of Elijah in the minds of the Israelites by his dress, his diet, his eccentricities, and most importantly, by his calling of the people to repent. God uses John to ignite a sort of revival in the wilderness in which John preaches and calls people to repent and then baptizes them to symbolize and proclaim that repentance. Now, many people come out to hear John preach and get baptized, including soldiers, tax collectors, and even some of the prime religious leaders of the people. Now, curiously, John does not welcome these religious leaders when he sees them, but preemptively blasts them, giving us something of a preview of how Jesus will deal with those same leaders. Consider this episode from verses 7 through 9. When John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance, and don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Now, don't feel too bad for those religious leaders. They had twisted the word of God. They had portrayed themselves as saints, and their teachings and lifestyle not only was false, but it was like misleading the whole nation. Consider what Jesus said to them and about them in Matthew 23, verse 15, and then verses 27 and 28. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. And then verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, that Jesus levels the same charges John does against the Pharisees and Sadducees only in a stronger manner kind of tells us that John isn't exaggerating in the least. Well, let's read our whole chapter and see how John confronts the situation. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John had a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then people came from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. 
When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance, and don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So how could the Pharisees and Sadducees be so far away from God and yet believe they were so close to God? Now, this is a very, very important question for us to wrestle with in the 2021 year, especially those of us who were raised in Christian households or, quote, Christian nations. I was raised in Alabama and lived there the majority of my life. And for you listeners that are outside of the United States, Alabama is a state in the Deep South where pretty much everybody identifies as a Christian. For most of my time in Alabama, those who were born there were sort of born into two major things. A, Christianity, and B, either Alabama or Auburn football. And thus, the vast majority of Alabamians identify as Christians and as either Alabama or Auburn fans, whether or not they care about football or genuinely follow Jesus at all. And this is a great danger. The Pharisees and Sadducees thought they were good with God because they were Israelites, descendants of Abraham, even spiritual leaders, but their trust wasn't in God or his word. Their trust was in their genetics, in their home country to save them. They presumed they were good with God because of those things, but John sharply warns them against such a dangerous presumption. A different John, John Piper, echoes the dangers of this presumption. He quotes John in verse 8, Do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, and says, Don't let the old serpent sow the deceptive seed in your mind. Hey, what am I doing here in this river getting baptized like a common Gentile? Who does this guy think he is telling the sons of Abraham that we are in the same boat with the rest of the world and under God's wrath? Why haven't we learned from the time that we were little the word of God to Abraham in Genesis seventeen seven and 8, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. How can a son of Abraham then ever worry about being swept away like chaff by the wrath of God? John is warning the Jews that such a line of reasoning is a great mistake. A person should never think that any human distinctive like Jewishness can obligate God to bless. 
the Jews are a great lesson book to all of us who tend to rely on anything for salvation other than the mercy of God, says John Piper. Absolutely true. So many people in America and other Western nations, too, have been raised in church-going homes, and they presume that they are Christians in the same way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees presumed that they were right with God. Others have been raised by pastors and religious leaders and presume or assume the same thing. But salvation is not found in our birthplace, our parents, our genetic inheritance, our country, our church, our denomination, our neighborhood, or anything like that. As Peter reminds us in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jesus alone, my friends, is the source of our salvation. Let our eyes be on him. I love how Paul calls us to that focus in Colossians 3, 1 through 3. He says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Well, that's good to ponder and for us to think about. Let's close with our Bible memory verse for the month of April, James 4, 6. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Well, friends, may it be a blessed day for you. Good day to you and Godspeed.